Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Pastors in Transition podcast. I'm your host, Ben DiStefano. Today, we're going to hear from Eric Hoke, who runs a ministry called I Help Pastors Get Jobs. Eric is a church planner in the poorest congressional district in America, which is also located in the most expensive city in America. A few years ago, Eric broke down the glass wall between the church and the marketplace and moved into a co-vocational role. If you've been thinking about making a transition from the church to the marketplace, whether full-time or part-time, you don't want to miss this episode. Pastors in Transition is a nonprofit ministry that was formed to help pastors, families, and churches navigate the unique challenges, hurt, and stress associated with ministry transitions. We have a team of people who volunteer their time and expertise to help pastors and families find hope, help, and healing. From mentoring to counseling with licensed counselors to prayer support, retreat facility options, and career assessments, Pastors in Transition is here to help. You can find more information and contact information at pastorsintransition.net. That's pastorsintransition.net. And now, here's my conversation with Eric Hoke. Thanks for uh, stopping in with us today on the Pastors in Transition podcast. Eric, uh, give us a little background of your uh, ministry experience, a little bit about your family, and tell us how you came to land in New York City. Yeah, yeah. I'll start with the family. So I am uh, married to my wife, Sarah, now for 11 years. We have two daughters, um, an almost four-year-old. Next week, she'll be four. A two-and-a-half-year-old, and actually one on the way. So um, Ben and I have been texting back and forth for about a month now, and I told you a day or two ago, like, hey, this recording has to happen pretty soon because this kid is, she's coming. So right, about right. to have three daughters, and then we're going to be uh, done I believe, I hope, with having any kids naturally. And uh, that's my family. Um, we live here in New York City in the South Bronx in a two-bedroom apartment. So very different than how I grew up in rural Pennsylvania. And how we ended up in New York City is in 2014, I was a youth pastor at a church kind of in rural slash suburban New Jersey. Um, I, like many overly ambitious 20-something type A's, got a little bit bit by the church planting bug was reading a lot of Tim Keller at the time and thought, hey, why don't I at the you know, mature age of 25 or whatever I was at the time, <laughs> uproot my life and my job and everything I know and go move to New York City and plant a church. Um, and of course, I wanted to go to a place where it wasn't going to be a high transplant population. You know, lots of folks, they plant churches in New York City and other cities around the, the world. And they said, let me go to a place where there's going to be people from the South, the Midwest, who have kind of a church Christian background, are looking for community, and I'll go there and I'll reach those people. Pretty low-hanging fruit. And I said, let me go to a non-genderfied, non-sexy, kind of urban core community. Um, I grew up listening to hip-hop and rap music, so I knew a lot about the South Bronx. Um, so my wife and I um, packed everything we owned into a 20-foot trailer, U-Haul, over the George Washington Bridge almost a decade ago, and uh, been here ever since, um, living and making our lives here in the community. That's awesome. So 
So I have to ask, is growing up on hip hop and rap music more beneficial than the church planning courses that you, <laughs> that you landed in the South Bronx? Oh, oh, certainly is. I mean, I definitely get some credibility with some of the older folks in our community when I mentioned, you know, being 13, listening to KRS-One, the return of the boom bap, like, oh, all right, all right, this this guy's got some credibility. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, it, it is an interesting thing. I know this is not a a church planting and, and cultural dynamics podcast, but it is a really curious <laughs> thing when I, you know, talk to planters who are and pastors who are very well intentioned from other parts of the country and they say, oh, well, here's what we're doing, you know, in South Texas. Why don't you try that in your community? It's like, well, <laughs> where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah, a little, little different, little different. Yeah. So you're planning a church and yep. uh, things are are going as church plants go. And then at some point you decided, you know what? Um, I'm going to go back into the marketplace and work there and make make a move from full-time ministry to more bivocational, or now the word I hear you use a lot is co-vocational ministry. Yeah. And and kind of kind of switch the paradigm a little bit that says, I'm gonna go, I'm I'm, I'm gonna support my family through the marketplace so that we have the resources for the church world. Is that do I have an accurate picture of, of that? Yeah, you do. So I had a really linear kind of, you know, Bible college at Liberty, four years, youth ministry degree. Uh, went to a, become a youth pastor at 22, 23. Went to seminary at Nyack College, got a master's degree there. Became an executive pastor at a pretty large, well-established church on um, the Journey Church um, with Nelson Searcy. Some of your listeners probably know him and his books. And so I was kind of on that track of like, I work in a church, I'm a pastor, I went to seminary, I read all the books, I go to all the conferences. That was the world I lived in for about a decade. And when I planted All Saints Church, one of the unique challenges slash opportunities was New York City. I'm sure your listeners know, we in San Francisco kind of go back and forth every year on the most expensive cities in the country. A two-bedroom apartment in my neighborhood is about $3,000 per month. Um, and my community, um, the South Bronx, the 16th congressional district, is actually the poorest congressional district in America. So 40% of our community or zip code is living at or below the poverty line. And that includes our church, people who attend our church. You know, some are middle class, some are working class, some are living in the poverty line. Um, so you have the whole gamut of people and population attending and worshiping. So I'm 30 years old, Bible college background, want to plant a church, look at rent prices, look at, you know, cost of living, but then also look at the needs of my congregants and think, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, find a job for a while. And I, I never shared this publicly, Ben, this is my first time, so we can have a good chuckle at this. When I was probably like 25-ish, I was like reading a publication, I think from the Assemblies of God, about bivocational ministry. And that was, you know, this was almost a decade ago, maybe more than that now. And that was like when it was still kind of like fringe. And it showed a picture of a man, um, an African-American man, and half of it was like kind of his face was kind of cut in half. And half of him was wearing like a clergy collar, and half of him was dressed like a firefighter. And I thought this is so cheesy. What kind of pastor has a job? <laughs> you know, like right. why in the world would someone do that to themselves? That sounds awful. And uh, it's just funny how God works because here I am a decade later, you know, not a firefighter, but doing that sort of work. But anyways, to make a long story short, 
I got a job as a management consultant slash corporate trainer. Um, it was a gig gig job. Um, so it's kind of working some weeks were busy, some weeks were slow, but it was just enough money in my pocket that I could kind of supplement my, my income from the church, which was, you know, very small as a church plant, plus the, the contract job, plus the time my wife was working and kind of all of that hobbled together. We could live our life. Um, so our church launched in 2017. So I thought, you know what, I'll do this for a year or two. And then once everybody hears my dynamic preaching and my world-class leadership skills <laughs> and our church blows up to be 200, 300 people, I'll quit the management consulting job. I'll focus fully on the church. And five years later, joke's on me because I'm still doing both. <laughs> so um, I still have to say that I've actually found that you know, becoming co-vocational and what I distinguish the two between is like a bivocational person or pastor is kind of what I was before, Ben. I was a guy who said, listen, I'm going to do this until the church can afford to pay me. That's a Bible pastor, right? I don't want to do it. I'm not crazy about it, but it's what I have to do to pay the bills and have my ministry. A right. co-vocational pastor, which is what I self-identify as, is a person who says, my primary ministry is actually to the marketplace. And I also am a pastor. So I look at all of my life as a ministry. I minister at my job. I minister at my kid's school. I minister to my, my neighbors. I minister at my church. Um, today is Friday when we're recording this. And this afternoon, my, uh, my wife invited all the other moms in our, in our daughter's school to come over to our place to swim after school. I'll fire up the grill. I'll make hot dogs and burgers. And we'll have probably 15 folks in our living room this afternoon slash evening. And like, um, that's, that's ministry, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so anyways, long answer to a great question. That's how I ended up on the Bible road. And I have actually found it to be a really sustainable way to to lead a congregation, especially in a context like New York City. Right. So now you're ministering in New York City through uh -huh. the marketplace and planting a church with 15 moms coming over today. To <laughs> Not 15 moms, 15 total people. Okay, Just okay, like right, 15, yeah. 15 moms would, would be a lot. <laughs> right. So that, I mean, that sounds great. And, and, and along the way you decided, uh, you decided, you know what, I want to help other pastors who were in the same position I was in. Uh, maybe they got there through a different means. Maybe it was a reduction in their, in their pay or a reduction in their time, or maybe uh -huh. it was, maybe they were facing their own transition yep. and decided they're going to attack ministry differently. Yep. And you said, you know what, uh, let me help other pastors get jobs in the marketplace so that yep. they can functionally do what I'm doing. And you started uh, a ministry, a website, an, an organization called I help pastors get jobs. <laughs> tell, right. tell us about that. Tell us about that, uh, that ministry. For sure. For sure. Well, uh, I'm going to kind of back into this question with a story because that's what us preachers do. But in February, I did what every New Yorker does during a school break. I hopped in a minivan and my whole family drove to Florida to escape the, the New York winter. And uh, I've actually read this before that Lin-Manuel Miranda got the idea for Hamilton the, the play Hamilton. I had the playbill behind me in my office um, while he was on vacation. I'm a big believer that our brains need white space to come up with ideas. That's why it's you know, important to rest and take vacations, take a Sabbath, all that good stuff. So my idea for I help pastors get jobs happened on that vacation in February. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of had this epiphany that, that, you know what, like what I'm doing is actually working for me working for my family, working for my church. And through the pandemic, our church not only survived, when a lot of church plants like ours closed, we sent out a daughter church. We baptized three people. 
and we brought new people into our church family um, through 2020, 2021, when folks were dropping like flies left and right. And it's not because of my dynamic preaching or amazing leadership skills. It's because I wasn't, you know, beholden to the tithes and offerings of the church to pay for my life. So I help pastors get jobs.com was this kind of epiphany moment where I'm like, you know what, for the past two years, I've been working in workforce development. I take folks with no corporate background, reskill them, retool them, retrain them, resumes, LinkedIn, interviews, negotiating, onboarding, go get a job, make great money, change your life. What if there's stuff like that for pastors? And I thought, you know what, somebody, someone already thought of this. <laughs> Somebody's already right. doing this. I just don't know, don't know who it is. Let me just see if I can find out who's doing this. I call three different kind of like thought leaders, denominational leaders, authors, folks who write about co-vocational, folks who speak about bivocational, you know, people that you and I would know their names if I if I said them. I reached out to these folks. I said, okay, we all preach the Bible gospel. I get it. But if a pastor comes to you and says, hey, I've had the same background as Eric, Bible college, seminary, worked in churches. I have no idea how to even start looking for a job. What do I need to do? Like, what resources are out there for that pastor? All three of those folks I reached out to, Penn said, I don't know of anything. And I was like, okay, okay, God, you're clearly drawing me to do this. So um, funny backstory about that. One afternoon, rainy day, kind of early March, my kids are watching Frozen, which they watch pretty much every <laughs> single day. And I just made a 30-page PDF, typing out everything A to Z. Here's how you rebrand yourself. Here's how you read your resume. Here's how you do LinkedIn. Here's how you interview. Here's how you network. Here's all the things that I had to do because I'm not from New York City. I didn't have a huge pool of, of people that I could tap into to find a job. I had to kind of figure all that stuff out. I helped other people figure that stuff out. 30-page PDF, 100-plus links embedded into that PDF, made a janky $12 website, a terrible logo on, on um, canva.com, Put on my social media, which I'm not, a, I don't have a huge following. I have a few people who follow me. And like, you know what? Maybe, maybe a few folks will be interested in this free PDF. Within about 72 hours, I had over 200 people sign up for that PDF. Uh, it was shared 30, 40 times on Facebook and, and Twitter. I had folks like you reach out to me and ask to talk more. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm really meeting a tangible need here. So over the past two months, um, since this has been um, taken off, I've actually worked with three different pastors to help them secure jobs. Um, between the three of them, they're now earning, you know, in total about 230K more than they were eight weeks ago. Um, so yeah, there's certain different ways I do that. And we can get into that in a moment. But anyways, that's to answer your question. How did the I Help Pastors Get Jobs yeah. idea come to fruition? And the, the backstory is I was on a beach in Miami, you know, thinking, huh, I wonder if I could do what I do professionally for pastors. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. And, and I think there's truth to that whole rest uh, piece yeah. that you talked about. We have to get away and, and find the rest and, and begin to let our minds speak to us. That's right. And, and hear because I think that's how God speaks to us. That's right. Uh, through our rest as well. And so that's, that's awesome stuff. I love this because this is exactly where pastors in transitions kind of, kind of uh, lands, you know, we're, we're an organization that's helping men and women and families through some pretty difficult times and uh, whether it's counseling or one-on-one -on -one mentorship through the transition, or whether it's a retreat center, 
or, and, or prayer, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, some of them are saying, I'm not going back to the, to ministry. I'm, I'm just, I I can't do it for a variety of reasons, whether it's, uh, you know, we're not going to judge reasons. It's, it's their, their heart's belief is they're not going to go back into ministry. And Eric, what's interesting is, is I was on a phone call with a friend of mine the other day about that. I got off the phone call and had a text message that came through during the phone call from another pastor friend of mine, same age bracket that said, I'm leaving my church in, in two months. I'm probably not going back into ministry. Can you help me? So in the course of six months, I have three friends, all in a, all of us at the same, in the same age bracket that are saying the exact same thing. I'm leaving ministry for different reasons. Each one of them were different, but the, the, the result was I may not, or I'm definitely not going back in. So that brings up the question of how do we find a job? How do we get connected? And that's the value that you bring to the table with the I Help Pastors Get Jobs. It's brilliant because I think we think so much in church world uh, language, it just doesn't translate well to the marketplace. I remember the first six months ago helping a friend and looking at his resume, and he's got a great resume, but but none of his verbiage translated to the marketplace. Like nobody knows what church planting is, right? Um, but entrepreneur leadership of a multi, you know, functional organization, you know, speaks a different language and, it, and it's all true. So pastors are, are looking at this and, and we're going to link to all of your stuff in the show notes and they can reach out to you. Um, but, but you really help people, um, do that. Now, as pastors are looking, as they're looking for jobs, what are some reasonable expectations that they should have when searching in the marketplace? Because I would think you probably get a lot of this and I, it runs through my mind. First of all, you know, what am I good at? Like, is there anything that I can really do? Like, like it, I was going to throw out a, a particular job at a big box company, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, disparage them, but you know, am I just going to be an entry level guy at a big box company or is there more for me or I, I can't do anything. So let me ask you this question. What are some reasonable expectations pastors should have when searching for a marketplace job as it relates to job type? Let's talk about job type. Let's talk about pay band, you know, how much am I going to make? And then uh, workload, because as, as challenging as the ministry is, I, I would imagine the workload is a little different in the marketplace. Can you speak to those, those items? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I see, (laughs) I see two extremes here. I see the one pastor who's been a senior pastor for 20 years has led decent sized churches, you know, 200 plus people, volunteer teams, you know, in some cases, seven figure budgets. And they think all they can do is go do Grubhub. <laughs> and like my, my, my vision, like I, sh- I almost like think I help pastors get jobs. Like tagline should be like, pastors should never do Grubhub <laughs> right. because, right. you know, unless you're, you know, that's a high school student job. I mean, it's a college student job. Nothing against Grubhub. I, I enjoy it. And if that's your thing, great. But pastors are qualified for so much more. That's the first kind of error. The second error I see is that 25-year-old youth pastor that has 20, 20 kids in his youth group and says, hey, I saw this job for uh, you know, VP of development at Google. Do you think I qualify? 
And I'm like, mm, no, I don't think you'd quite be there. When the top thing is, you know, 15 years of experience for, you know, high tech companies, I'm, you've already disqualified yourself there, brother. So just to give you a few realistic expectations, the first one is my formula. And this is my, why I tell every pastor I speak to and consult with high flexibility. If you're going to stay in ministry, um, medium pay, low stress. To me, that's like the perfect formula that you're looking for. So job types, I always advise pastors who have a kind of operations project-oriented brain, which I do, um, earn a PMP certification. Um, Ironed mine 2020. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot of work. It's a lot of reading. It is an investment, the, the exam, plus the study materials. But that certification alone is something on your resume that's going to set you apart from the competition. Can you define um, that for us real quick? Yeah, of course. PMP? Project management professional. Okay, PM, PMP. Um, and you need three years um, of directing and leading projects, but you know most pastors have already done that. Um, and so filling out that application, getting that on your resume, that is a really great place to start. Um, a lot of those jobs are remote and those jobs and, and, that, and that certification is all industries as well. So healthcare, construction, technology, education, um, you name it. Um, so that's the first thing I kind of advise people. The second one, I also tell folks, this is not, <laughs> this one kind of breaks the, the, the barrier a little bit, but it's not low stress, but teachers, substitute teachers, full-time teachers um, in New York City, and I'm sure other cities as well, they have these alternative paths to becoming teachers, where if you have a bachelor's degree, they put you through a three-month, you know, intensive, and you can break into a, a public school teaching job making, you know, decent money right away. Summer's off, lots of holidays, not low stress, of course, but at the same time, it's a, a way to break into it. And the last one is facilitators and corporate trainers. Um, a lot of large companies, they hire in-house trainers. So you're going around, you're giving soft skill training on people management, on having hard conversations, on developing leaders. I mean, these are all things that we do in church, um, but in the corporate world, that's how I cut my teeth. I spent four years traveling around North America, giving workshops at you know companies like Uber and Salesforce and Twitter on how to do this. And uh, I never worked at any of those companies before, but I knew how to lead people. I knew how to lead with, lead with empathy. And those were the skills that people wanted. So pay band, um, the three pastors that I've, I've already helped secure jobs have earned anywhere between 60K a year and 90K a year. Um, that's not just New York City money. That's people, that was one person that was um, suburban Pittsburgh and one person in Wilmington, Delaware, and then one person here in Manhattan. So it just goes to show that there is money to be made. Right. Beyond just doing doing uh, doing Grubhub, and the last thing I want to share is that one of the gifts that COVID has given us is the destigmatization of remote work. Um, there was a time when you know you remember this. If you worked remote, everyone thought you sat at home all day in your PJs and watched Netflix and you know ordered a pizza and you didn't actually do anything, which always annoys me because I have HBO Max. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> but not kidding aside, you know, a lot of jobs are remote. Um, so you can be a pastor in, in Tennessee and, and get a job based in New York City. And in some cases, not always, sometimes they adjust pay based on where you're located. But in some cases, you can make New York City, San Francisco money living in a low cost of living city. Um, and that's something that's unprecedented in the work culture in this country and in this world. So pastors would be naive to think they can't tap into that. So those are some of the, the, the best practices I put out there for folks to consider breaking that shift. Um, for in terms of pay ban, jobs to look for, and realistic expectations on yourself. Nice, nice. So, 
where would you now, now we got the pastors excited, right? Now, now pastors are excited. They're like, all right, I'm going to jump into this. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get my LinkedIn going. I'm going to get on Indeed, start seeing what's going on out there. Where would you caution pastors to kind of, all right, slow your roll kind (laughs) of when you're looking at and thinking through marketplace jobs, you kind of reference the 25 year old youth pastor going for a VP job at Google. Yeah. So this whole slow your roll is kind of like, be realistic about your work lane. Can you drill down a little bit more on that to help us? A hundred percent. I mean, if you're talking about the big box people, the, the the name brands that we use every single day, and if you see director, VP, you know, senior director, um, jumping into that type of job in those types of companies when you have no industry background, I don't want to say it can't be done, but I'm going to say it's very ambitious. And I'll, I mean, you and I talked about this already, Ben, so this is your second time hearing it, but the easiest way to describe it is imagine you have a person in your church who works at a bank, all right? They're a bank manager. They have maybe seven or eight full-time staff. They have a good client base. They run a great operation. And that person's, we'll say he's 40 years old or she's 40 years old. And they come to you as their pastor and say, hey, God is calling me into full-time ministry. Wow, that's that's awesome. What, what do you think that's going to look like? And they could say to you, you know what? I was thinking, you know, the mega church down the street of six thousand people, they're hiring a senior pastor. What do you think about me putting my name in for that? Like, what would you tell that person? You probably would say, well, that's a little bit ambitious. <laughs> why are you, yeah. why are you, you know, slow your roll a little bit and let's find, you know, some a way for you to ramp up to that. And I mean, here's right. the thing that I would I'd argue, and I'm sure there's going to be someone that's going to email me something about this, maybe maybe you. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> In theory, I think that bank manager probably could take that job and maybe in like two years kind of be brought to speed and do that job well, right? A lot of organizations don't have two years to ramp someone up. They don't. They don't have, they don't even have six months to do that. They want someone who's going to hit the ground running. They can obviously need to be trained and be on board. I get that. But they want someone who's done a similar job in the past. So we would probably tell that past, that bank manager, feeling called a ministry. Hey, why don't you do a Quovo lead pastor role? Why don't you do some pulp of supply for the time being? Why don't you become an associate pastor at a church for the time being? To go from, I've worked in banks for 20 years, and now I want to go become a mega church pastor. And one job leap is pretty unrealistic. Same also in, in the opposite. Going from, hey, I'm pastoring 150 folks to I want to go make 300K as a senior leader at Google pretty unrealistic. <laughs> so right. slow your roll, you know, look for more of those kind of mid-level jobs. Um, that's probably a much better place to start than thinking you're going to shoot for the stars day one. One more thing about that, Ben. Mm-hmm. Your next job, if you're making that transition, does not have to be your forever job. It probably exactly. won't be. Because if you're changing industries, <laughs> you're not going to know, you know, okay, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to be here for 20 years. You're probably going to go there and say, okay, I figured out a few things in a year or two. Now I'm going to leapfrog to my next assignment, right? So I think a lot of times we as pastors and we as people in general get, get in our head, uh, whatever job I get next, I'm going to be there for the next five, 10 years. Well, probably not. You'll probably be there for a year or two. You'll figure out the industry and you can leap to a new position. So don't say, oh, I, this, I'm not going to settle until I find the perfect job. Find a job that you can enjoy 80% of the time for a year and then find your next assignment. Which is pretty common in the marketplace, right? Hundred I mean, percent. Yeah, I mean, people hopping all around. I think it's less common in the church, and mm-hmm. depending on your church background and denomination, moving around a lot can get you 
uh, an eyebrow raised. I can, you know? yep. but in the marketplace, it's, it's what they do every day. Uh, let me jump in. I just want to share a quick testimonial because uh, exact same conversation I had with a friend of mine started who started the job search six months ago. One of the three that I talked about, I said the exact same thing to him in my coaching with him. Your next job doesn't have to be your forever job. Get something because he had, he had some certain parameters he wanted to set for his family for the next job because of their school age kids and things like that. And I said, basically what you're saying, find something that's going to pay the bills that gets you mentally and heart healed. Um, it doesn't have to be forever. And just uh, a month ago, he's four weeks in, he got a, he got a manager position at a big box store. Perfect. It was the perfect fit. And what he's already seen is like you said, he has to learn the the, the onboarding of the organization, like you got to learn the organization that that's a no brainer, but his 25 plus years of experience in, in managing churches and church plants and people, it's already making a difference in the health of the environment of his, his shift that he manages because of his soft skills. And those soft skills are things that he's honed over 25 years. And it's making a difference. It really is. So Everything you're saying is, is yeah, everything you're saying is, is gold. And when people uh, tap into the resources that you offer, you're going to coach them through that and help them understand that. Right. And here's the other thing too. And this is one of my pet peeves when pastors say things like, well, I have no skills or no one will hire me or I don't know how to do anything. It's like, you don't think leading a church is like one of the hardest things that ever that person could do, <laughs> you know, Peter Drucker said, I hope I get this quote, right. I don't have it in front of me, but the hardest jobs are a president, a university, like chancellor, president, like a president of a country, university president, a gosh, I'm not totally botch this. Forgive me. Um, the CEO of a company. And I think the fourth one was a pastor. Yeah. So the president of a, of a nation the president of a college, the CEO of a company, and a pastor. Wow. So it's like, don't don't come at me with I have no skills. Of course you do. And your friend you're describing, I mean, his career is going to skyrocket because of his mm-hmm. base as a pastor. And I mean, exactly. to speak in my experience, I'm two years in my current company, and before we start recording, I'm going to get my third promotion here. You know, this month, this month or next, um, because I spent 15 plus years as a pastor. I didn't start off at entry level. I started off mid-level and now moving to senior level um, because of all the skills that I've gained as a minister. And those are some of the negatives that pastors think about. I don't, you know, I can't do this. I don't have any experience, but man, your test, again, your testimony and what you're putting together through your, I help pastors get jobs, website, ministry, and organization. That's really uh, the, the, the tool that many, many people, many families need to make that transition smoothly. Mm -hmm. So what, what, um, what do you do? What do you offer? What services do you offer through that to help pastors as they're making that transition? Right. Right. Well, the first thing that I do is, is the free PDF. So anybody listening, you know, hop over to ihelppastorsgetjobs.com, scroll to the bottom, free PDF, punch in your email, and I email that to you. 30 pages, 100 links, A to Z, here's how you do it. That's yours, no cost. And after that, you'll be put onto a mailing list. 
And about once, sometimes twice a week, I send out, you know, a very short email, really practical tips on how to break into the workforce. You're on that list, Ben. Thanks so much for being a subscriber. And, um, you know, it's just in your inbox, unsubscribe anytime you get annoyed with me, no hard feelings, (laughs) but it's just a resource for you to read, kind of change your mindset a little bit. The one I put out this past week was about how to ask for a raise without looking greedy. Um, So it's just stuff like that really practical tools. I try to make it funny. I put little dad jokes in there to help lighten it up. Um, but that's a f- totally free resource. If you're a person who says, you know what? The PDF was great. The email is great, but I really need some more coaching and guidance. I have a online learning community um, through the Mighty, Mighty uh, Networks app. And that's on my website. You can just click on learning community and subscribe. We have weekly meetups. Um, there's hundreds of pastors on there, both with my community and, and another community as well that I partner with. And that is a tremendous resource to, to connect with other pastors, to learn from me and other leaders, not just how to get a job, but fresh expressions of church. They have a prayer meeting on there once a week where folks from all around the country and even the world gather to uh, the fellowship. And that is the the steep, steep price of $20 a month. So, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, a Netflix account or HBO Max account or ordering pizza on a Friday night, you know, do that, do one less of those a month and hop on there and you can be a part of that cohort. And I would love to partner with you on, on that. So that's kind of the, the entry level price. And then if you're someone who's like, listen, I need a new job like tomorrow, um, you know, give me a call. I do some one-to-one coaching um, and a small fee for that. I do resume rewrites, small fee for that. I do a LinkedIn rewrite, you know, small fee for that and on and on it goes. So, uh, but really my vision is not to, uh, you know, go buy a new Tesla with ihelppastorsgetjobs.com, but it's just to help and equip as many pastors as I can. But of course I look at it as you have to put some skin in the game as well. Right. And that's, and that's kind of where the, the give and the take comes. So PDF free, email list free, Coaching cohort, 20 bucks a month. If you need a resume rewrite, LinkedIn, one-to-one coaching, some fees associated with that. But that's what I'm offering right now. That's awesome. And we will link to those in the show notes so people can uh, get connected with you and sign up for the, uh, uh, the, send their email in and get signed up with you. Well, Eric, there's just uh, too much to cram into one episode. We're going to have to have you back and we will jump into the very real world of bivocational or co-vocational ministry. Um, We're going to connect all of those links in the show notes so that you can stay connected with Eric. Eric, thanks for your time today, man. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it, Ben. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Absolutely. I so appreciate Eric's passion to help pastors and families not just survive a transition or a move, but to thrive in life. Oh, and by the way, His wife, Sarah, delivered a healthy baby girl at the end of May 2022. And Sarah and Eric now have three beautiful daughters at home. To connect with Eric, you can find his contact information and links in the show notes. Now, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, hit the alert bell, and be on the lookout for part two of this conversation as Eric gives us the pragmatic secrets to how they organize and manage the Covo structure and systems at All Saints Church in the South Bronx. For more information on the Pastors in Transition ministry, be sure to visit us at pastorsintransition.net. Until next time, we hope that this has been another step to you finding hope, help, and healing as you navigate your ministry and career transition.